Hello, I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. Before we begin, let's do a brief introduction. I've been with BMO for over 15 years. After starting in economics, I've been BMO's Canadian rates and macro strategist for the past few years. This podcast will run every other week, and I will bring in guests from BMO's FIC sales and trading team to provide market opinions and color. For those of you that don't know me well, I don't sugarcoat things or hold back my opinions, and I'll endeavor to ensure my guests do the same. This week, I'm joined by BMO's head of credit trading, Fred Nastos. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's fixed sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you would like to hear about. I could be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitis at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Fred is a former CMB and Provi trader who still fills in from time to time on the desk and is one of the brightest minds we have at BMO, whose opinion is very well respected within the trading and financial community. Fred, let's kick things off today with the Bank of Canada and their, their policy announcement. First off, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Ben. Thanks very much for having me. So starting off with the Bank of Canada, uh, they they maintain their policy rates at 25 basis points today. They continued their, their QE program, uh, left that steady at $5 billion or at least $5 billion per week of Government of Canada bonds. They made no other changes to any other programs. Uh, and they, they committed once again to, to keeping these programs uh, running for as long as necessary. The outlook was a little bit more upbeat in that they, they recognized that uh, growth uh, will be better than they expected in the third quarter. But at the same time, things the, the, the longer term outlook is quite challenging. They expect the recuperation phase. So they, they think about that as everything beyond the initial rebound. So think uh, Q4 and beyond. They think that phase is going to be slow and choppy as the economy copes with ongoing uncertainty and structural challenges. And so uh, I guess that that begs the question, that is, is the bank doing enough right now and ha- have they done enough so far? Well, Ben, I'd say that they're definitely off to a good start. The initial programs like the Bankers Acceptance Program and the, and the SLF were great successes and really helped bring confidence to the market. You know, they followed it up with their, with their mortgage bond purchase program and their provincial programs, uh, which some would argue aren't even necessary anymore. Stability and liquidity have, have really come back to the marketplace and the trading tone is, uh, is very firm. The market's trading very much like it was pre-COVID. I think that's uh, great news. I think that all, all our listeners uh, like to hear, and 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 the efficient and, and and effective functioning of the market is is within the Bank of Canada's mandate. Clearly, uh, as as uh, without that, they really they really can't transmit their policy effectively in a way that they want. And obviously, of course, that's why they're doing the QE programs. Uh, one of the wrinkles that was in this statement uh, relative to, to prior statements is. Uh, they mentioned at the end in their in their last sentence that uh, the QE program will be calibrated to provide the monetary policy stimulus needed to support the recovery and achieve the inflation objective. So uh, that last part, of course, uh, I mean, normal. They they of course they want to achieve their inflation objective, but 
they mentioned the QE program they, a little bit differently this time, that, that they're, they're open to tweaking it if need be. Uh, and so if things were to worsen, it, it does appear as if QE is the first program that would be tweaked. And I think for, for, for a lot of people, this should really put maybe the final nail in the coffin uh, for anybody looking for further rate cuts or negative policy rates. Uh, clearly, at this point, the bank just really, really has no real interest in, in cutting interest rates, cutting the policy rate further. They're more interested in, in controlling the yield curve generally. And uh, they thus far, I mean, I think they, they've done a, a pretty good job. I think, Fred, you, you'd agree with me on that front. Should they be buying more bonds? Should they move to yield curve control? Is the backdrop such that that's something they need to consider at this point? Or do they just want to keep that in their back pocket uh, and save it for if, if you get a big sell-off or something along those lines? So I think it's um, I think it's a bit a bit curious that the their statement on uh, calibrating the QE program uh, is largely being interpreted uh, as an opening to provide more stimulus. I, I actually read it more symmetrically in that in that some programs you know may not be as needed as as they originally thought they were. Right. So for example, in the in the government space, the the CMB program and the provincial program have definitely seen less uptake. Over the past few months and the past two months, you might even argue that they those programs aren't needed at the moment. I, I think that's a great point, Fred. Uh, look, looking at it symmetrically is is almost certainly the way they are looking at things. I suspect with their expectation that it's going to be a again a, a slow and choppy recovery from their perspective. They are concerned that they may have to do more rather than less. But I think you're exactly right that if as as things improve, uh, they would probably be looking to scale back further. Uh, what they have done is they've because they've committed to at least five billion per week until the recovery is well underway. Uh, they've kind of kind of stuck themselves in a bit of a box. And, and I mean, what does what does well underway even mean at this point? I think that that's uh, not entirely clear. And maybe we'll get a little bit more color on that from Governor Macklem in Thursday's speech. But at this point, I think it's also worth noting, and and this really uh, lends to your point that I mean, the bank has already pulled back a little bit. Uh, and as as you noted, they they've pulled back a little bit on on the peripheral programs on on CMB buying program, the Provi buying program has been relatively slow, but they've also pulled back on the government of Canada Canada bond buying. Initially, for the first kind of two months or so, they were buying about six billion or, or really just under six billion in Canada bonds per week. That has come down to just barely above five billion per week, and I think there's a number of reasons why. I think one is is as you mentioned earlier, uh, the market is functioning properly. Uh, and so they're no longer in the mode of, of helping drive market efficiency. They're more in the mode of helping to keep bond yields under wraps as, as best they can. But beyond that, I think there's there's kind of a, a market, a, a bond scarcity problem. There just aren't that many bonds for them to buy. And so uh, if they were to ramp up the program, it's difficult to see where they're going to buy that many more bonds. They'll, they'll really have to focus that much more on the benchmarks, which is what they've been doing. And on the surface, from a central bank perspective, that that doesn't necessarily sit all that well with them, as as they're some would argue they're directly funding the government at that point, and that would make central banks and, and the bank canon no doubt very uncomfortable. Uh, maybe Fred, you can touch on the market dislocations to some extent that have been caused by the QE program in Canada's uh, and and potentially in other markets as well. So I agree with you. There's a there seems to be a a uh, sort of a shortage of bonds out there sometimes, uh, especially in the longer end of the curve. You know, and we, we've seen the Bank of Canada buying uh, really sort of affect uh, that 20-year area 
in the Canada in the in the federal curve. Historically, the twenty area seems to you know has, has traded much flatter to longs, and uh, and since the Bank of Canada started buying, it really steepened out that part of the curve there. It does present a situation where because the bank has limited their provincial buying to ten years and under, it, it has relatively cheapened provincials further out the curve. While it's hard to sort of find value in the in the bond market today anywhere, I'd say, just given the outright level of yields, the place you might want to look for value is in areas where the bank isn't buying. So, so for example, you, you go beyond 10 years, the 20-year provincial area is, um, is very cheap on the curve there. And also um, municipals, for example, an area that wasn't targeted by the Bank of Canada, they've definitely lagged. Their spreads have not retraced uh, back to levels pre-COVID. Uh, so I, I think that kind of brings me to the next question I have for you is, is I mean, being being a very heavily involved in the Provi market, do you think the provincial bond buying program is, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that it's been effective given the tightening we've seen in, in credit spreads, but is the current pace of buying sufficient? Should they be moving further out the curve? Is like, are, are the dislocations that the Bank of Canada is creating, uh, should they be very mindful of that? And should they kind of want to offset that by maybe moving a little bit further out? At the moment, I'd say no. The curves are relatively smooth. There is sort of ample liquidity in the marketplace at the moment, but we are starting to see bonds trade a bit more technical where the Bank of Canada is targeting them. Um, you know, uh, Shorter provincials are a bit harder to find these days. For example, now in the very front end, there's a number of provincials that yield through, uh, through the overnight rate, which is not, uh, not, a, not a common phenomenon in, in Canada, or it's not commonly seen in our bond market. But so that being said, if they were to, if, if the need was there to ramp up the programs again, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move further out the curve and maybe target some areas that they haven't before. Cool. All right. Thanks for that, Freddie. I think we're going to move on for the Bank of Canada at this point. That, that's enough for one day. And especially as we'll, we'll hear from Macklem. Looking ahead at the calendar, uh, the, the, the data calendar has taken on a little bit of less importance given the, 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 the outside shock from COVID. We already know that Q3 is going to be uh, exceptionally strong, and uh, after after an exceptionally weak Q2, uh, and, and we're still in that rebound phase. But I think the the, the most important event, possibly uh, for the month of September and, and post Labor Day, will be the throne speech from the federal government from the Liberal Party, and and what might be in that speech. Thus far, I mean, we don't have that many details. The federal government has given us uh, some some fodder. I mean, they they've rolled out a more generous EI program. There's the new Canada Recovery Benefit. Both of those are intended to replace the CERB, and they are, in in some cases, uh, pr- pretty generous programs. And the government's done their best at this point, it seems, to, to ensure that uh, as many households as possible remain supported through what is clearly a very challenging time economically. What else comes in there? I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see that the speech is due on, uh, is coming on September 23rd. And there is a possibility it could trigger an election at this point, depending on what's in there and depending on whether the opposition parties want want to trigger an election or not. As a reminder to all our listeners out there, the uh, the Liberal government in Canada is a minority government, so they need the support of at least one other party in order to pass this throne speech and and in order to push through all the uh, measures they're going to have in the speech. And Moving beyond kind of the, the income support measures, I guess, the, the, the question then becomes, and, and, and this is something that Prime Minister Trudeau has mentioned, is that they're, they're very willing to borrow as much as necessary to help fund this recovery. And so there's been a focus on kind of a green recovery, 
what other measures should you, do you think they should be taking on the fiscal front? Uh, is there something you think they should be focused on in order to help the economy push forward here? My view is that the virus has been a, a, akin to a natural disaster, you know, and it's really fiscal policy that'll get us out of this rut with monetary policy to support it. So I am looking to hopefully see some infrastructure spending. You know, I think that's an area that we've had maybe more more rhetoric than action on over the past uh, the past few years in Canada. So yeah, so I'm curious to see if they'll they'll go down that path. That I think that's an excellent idea, uh, and and I mean when this government was initially elected, it was on a platform of, of infrastructure spending. It was a bit of a challenge, I think, to get the money out the door at the time. Uh, we'll see if things have changed a little bit. There should be a decently sized pool of labor out there, uh, given the elevated unemployment rate. And so, uh, I mean, that 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 shouldn't be uh, much of a challenge. But uh, infrastructure at time can be difficult to get uh, through all the permitting and, and all the different levels of government. So th- there are challenges there, but I think I think most uh, most Canadians would, would love to see more infrastructure on that front and, and on, on the fiscal side. I, I think that would uh, very much be welcome. Uh, I think beyond that, I mean, the, the, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get uh, a little bit more of a window into where the government sees the, the fiscal picture going, how they view the fiscal outlook. While we know there's going to be a, a maybe nearly $400 billion deficit for this fiscal year, we don't really know what's in store next year. They really haven't laid out any kind of outlook at all from from a, from a fiscal perspective. So uh, maybe we get a bit more of that. I think this this throne speech has the potential to be to be market moving. If, if if there's a big fiscal package announced in there, that would obviously be a big boost for growth, and and that that's certainly a possibility. But it would also mean more more bonds likely, uh, more issuance, and that can have an impact as well. Even with the Bank of Canada buying almost all of the net issuance in Canada for, for this year. Their bond buying at some point will probably slow down, and we'll see how the balance works between the Bank of Canada's bond buying and the federal government's borrowing and spending. Uh, I think at this point, we're going to leave our conversation there. Uh, Fred, thank you very much for joining me this week for the uh, inaugural episode of Views from the North. Hopefully, we can have you back again soon. Thanks very much, Ben, for having me. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. 
you should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. Emo assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.